If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest at Horse Chats is Kay Hannon. Kay is at the moment campaigning for the Tokyo Olympics for para-equestrian, so we wish her all the best for that. She is in um, a para-equestrian grade four. She's on the high-performance national squad. She's ridden on the Australian team in Hong Kong. She's competed in the UK. So we certainly wish her well for the Tokyo Olympics. Now, how are you today, Kay? I'm very well, thanks, Glynis. Great. Very good. Very good. Now, Kay, we normally start off with a favourite quote, and I know you've got a good one. (laughs) Can you talk to us about it? So my favourite quote is actually by Walt Disney, and it's, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Mm -hmm. Yes, because I think the story was him and his brother were mechanics in a garage and they had a little pet mouse called Mickey. That's right. Um, yeah. And, you know, when you think about Disney today and, you know, Disney World, Disneyland, the magic that it gives to millions and millions of people, yes, certainly certainly a lot of people laughed at him when he first started. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is my faith that I believe that if you dream something and you really want it, yep. fate will deliver. Yep, yep. Now, just starting off with horses, I want you to talk about the whole, you know, we sort of focus this a bit more on the para-equestrian. How did you get involved with para-equestrian? Okay. Now, that is that is a good question um, yeah. because a lot of people will see me on good days and think there's nothing wrong with me. Sure. And I guess I need to say to people with, like most of the para-equestrians, um, some are have very mild disabilities right up to really impinging on your life um, disabilities and we're all graded at different levels. Mm -hmm. So the most disabled is grade one and then it comes back down to right the way down to grade five which may be um, you know an an ankle or a leg that doesn't work that sort of thing. Okay. So how I got involved in it was I've been riding now for dare I say, 54 years. That sounds like an awful long time. (laughs) Um, And so um, in 2009, I was being coached by a gorgeous lady who's local to our little village here at Ebenezer called Pip Tonkin. And most of the people, if they're in this area, know Pip quite well. Mm -hmm. And I had had two major back surgeries. I'd learned how to walk again. I was struggling... um, to perform to my very best in able-bodied and Pip suggested very politely I might add because when you say to someone would you like to be a para-equestrian most people think it's paraplegia and Mm. it's actually not it's parallel dressage meaning that everybody in that grade is competing on a on a a stable platform. You're mm-hmm. all competing with the same sort of Im- impairments that will stop you 
uh, I guess, um, competing at able-bodied. Yep. Having said that, a lot of us still compete at able-bodied as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's just an interesting background and interesting information for people who may be in a similar situation, you know, that they're feeling like their injuries or their physical difficulties or difficulties are holding them back within the sport that they love. It, it is. It's a parallel so, yeah, I think thanks Absolutely. for that, Kay. It's, it's very good information because you juggle this with a full-time job. Just tell us a little bit about how you work your full-time job and juggling your riding and doing it all together. Yes, I think um, a lot of people think that I probably never sleep. Um, <laughs> and in some instances, it's probably true. Mm. Um, I'm very blessed to have a wonderful husband, um, Bill, who is retired and I always say that I'm his main project, and I guess he would have to say I am. Okay. So working full-time with most of the roles that I have been in, I've been very fortunate to actually work from home, yep. which means that um, I conduct my my own time framing, um, that side of things. I will be away for, you know, long trips, trade shows, uh, that side of things. And during that time, the boys have a little bit of a rest, the boys being my two um, fur kids. <laughs> um, Bill is wonderful. He helps me in the morning. So yeah. I will ride probably five times a week. I currently attend uh, Beecroft Physio, who has the most amazing gymnasium that keeps me uh, rocking along and they can keep an eye on me uh, trying not to break myself by overachieving. Yeah. So I go to them at least three times a week as well. Um, so it's four lessons, a couple of rides in uh, Skyville National Park, which we're very lucky to have in this area, um, on big bushy tracks to just tune their minds away from being in the dressage arena all the time. Um, I might, uh, you know, trot over a couple of little logs and that sort of thing. Anything that is cross-training is really good because for okay. our brains as well as the horses, they need to have variety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and the full-time job, well, yep, that's Saturday, Sunday sometimes. Um, I coach as well. I massage horses. I used to do a full range of herbal products, which I'm now um, not doing only because the time is, it's it's just too much. Sure, sure. So for someone who's looking, you know, this is sort of going back to the Paralympics, if they've got an injury, if they want to find out a bit more, you know, find out about getting classified, find out about the competitions, where can they go? Yep. Uh, look, I'm on Facebook. I'm more than happy to help anybody, to be really honest. Um, yeah. I I often um, do demonstration rides or get involved in different RDAs around New South Wales yep. and help yep. out. Yep. We're constantly scouting for people. Uh-huh. Um, and this should really include the racing industry as well. There's uh, a lot of jockeys that have sustained um, quite significant injuries and mild injuries that are preventing them possibly, um, you know, continuing training or actually riding at, a, at an elite level, but mm-hmm. they could possibly join us or come along and, and at least have a look yep. and realise that, you know, it's it's everybody. It's people from walking sticks to mobility scooters to in wheelchairs to people that are walking around and you go, wow, they look fine. I'm not really sure, mm. you know, what's wrong with them. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 
Yeah. Lots of variety, lots of opportunity. As I said, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm happy to talk to anyone as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the other para-equestrians are also happy to talk to people and encourage them into our, our um, element of the dressage sport. Okay, okay. Now, if someone's going to get in and the people then that do go on and represent their country, travel overseas, that are more of the elite of the Paralympians, what sort of core skills and character traits do you think they have? You know, what's different about them that makes it that they work their way to the top rather than someone who doesn't so much? I think exactly as I said before, they they just dream and they have the sheer guts to actually continue. So in a lot of cases, um, people go, oh, it's raining, I don't really feel like riding or it's too hot. Mm-hmm. If you talk to an elite rider, they... You know, if it, if they're in an Olympics and it's raining, they wouldn't not ride. Yes. Um, if it was really hot and very humid, they'll work around that. So I'm doing humidity training at the moment. Um, I also do a lot with ice collars and ice vests and a lot on recovery for my horse as well as myself. Mm-hmm. So you can access a lot of material by actually being a team player. I think yeah. that is one yeah. of the key things. Uh, giving back to the sport and being approachable is really important. Okay. Um, I think dressage has that elitist status in a lot of cases that uh, you need, you know, absolutely pots and pots of money. And can I say, that's actually not true. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My first horse I bought for $1,000 and I was lucky enough to compete him internationally here mm-hmm. in Australia against the US and Japan and do quite well. So if you really want to do anything, you will find the time, you will find the courage, and you will have the determination to continue. It's that simple. Okay, good, good. Now, there's someone who's inspired you. Would you like to talk about Marnie here? Um, Yes, absolutely. I've got a couple of people. Um, I've got a a dear friend of mine, Marnie Clapham. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was local to this area. She just moved down to Victoria with her mum. And her mum works in the medical industry as a consultant. Mm-hmm. Now, Marnie was a young rider, and I think she was around 16 when, unfortunately, she had a massive brain bleed. She is the only living survivor in the world of that level of brain bleed. Wow. So it was absolutely catastrophic for the family and catastrophic for everybody that knew her. I saw her after about a year and she loves horses, Mm. loves them beyond belief. And her mum was pushing her around in a wheelchair and they came along to a competition to look and watch. And she just adored it. You could see it written all over her face. Now it's taken four years or more, but she is now riding again Mm -hmm. and she's doing the most amazing, amazing role. Um, She is a grade one, so she is the most, um, I guess, um, highest level of um, disability that you could have to compete. She is as cheeky as all get out, (laughs) and we love her to death. Um, When she sat on a horse, Donna and I, her mother, Donna and I, just burst into tears because her body and brain remembered her position 
Mm. and how she should sit on that horse. It was absolutely outstanding. She did compete at RDA um, state championships and was the highest scoring person on that day, and that was her first big competition that she'd done. So she is an inspiration to me. Um, I find her, the whole family are, because they're very solid, they're a team, they're very down to earth, and they have the determination it takes to continue and be absolutely elite. Uh, I'm just thinking, you know, the, the pride, the, the um, everything that you had in your voice there. And as a competitor, I'm sure you would have had proud moments. But are your proud moments people like this, people that you can assist or support in some way? Um, yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's why I go to RDA. I did quite a bit at Ride RDA and there were four lovely ladies there as well. And we'd go and do – they enter the video competition. So I'd Mm. go along and give them a little coaching lesson beforehand or we'd do a demonstration ride and then I'd let them sit on my horse. By then he was so worn out he would just stand there. So that was great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sure they weren't prepared to do any flying changes or anything (laughs) at that stage. But it's been an honour actually and it's very humbling to be allowed to be part of that Riding for the Disabled family. Yeah. Um, so whether it's Nepean, Ride, Richmond with Ian Travers, which is where I started um, doing some work with Ian and also with Marnie, um, it, it really has been wonderful. And that is the soul food mm-hmm. that gives you that, God, I, I'm just in awe of these people. Yeah. They are just amazing. Yeah, yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Thinking about where you are now, you know, and and being campaigning for the Tokyo Paralympics, and money aside, because that's, you know, that makes the world go round, but what about challenges? Challenges, you know, what challenges have you had along the way where you might have thought, oh, I just want to give up. I just want to stop this. So, you know, I don't want to push myself anymore. Or, you know, has there been times like that when you felt like that? Um, so, and, they are, and also, they yeah. are few and far mm-hmm. between. Okay. And I will be very honest, they are few and far between. And I think every athlete, when they have a huge fall, something goes wrong with the horse. Um, and you're just on on track, you know, it's a, it's a great saying when they go, yep, that's horses, isn't it? Yep. Um, but you can feel like you want to just put your kit bag down and not continue. Now, that will last for a little while, and it might be a death in the family that does it. it that did that to me last year. Uh, unfortunately, I've had a massive accident five years ago where I fractured my neck, broke 11 ribs, and wow. had wow. a reconstructed shoulder. Mm. I'm positive I was on morphine when the surgeon came in (laughs) and said, have you got any questions? And stupidly I said, yes, when can I get back on my horse? (laughs) Um, But that proves the sort of dedication that you have. But that was a long, long road to get back onto a horse, just the sheer terrifying feeling that I didn't know what had caused it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know why the horse had suddenly reacted so uh, badly, they have a massive flight uh, response, mm. obviously. I mean, I just say to people that are older, you know, you really want to take up horse riding? I know it looks like a bit of a fantasy, but they are killers. 
and mm. that's what we have to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that huge sort of, oh, my God, I was just about to put my other leg over the horse to go for a ride and wake up in hospital mm. because I'm a bit of a control freak if anybody <laughs> knows me. Um, I just didn't like the fact I didn't know what had created it. And it did take a good three to six months, well, actually it was six months to the day that mm. I put my leg over that horse again. And it took me three months to just go and spend time with him and be able to say it's okay. Yep. You know, it was a hell of a fright for him. It was certainly a fright for me. Yep. My husband, Bill, uh, he was absolutely paranoid every time I got on the horse. No, 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 I've got to be there, you know. Um which is wonderful. You know, mm, I mean, mm. he is, I call him my number one fan and I'm sure he is, but there are times when that kit bag will be put down. Yep. There are times when you will be challenged. So mm-hmm. the horse gets really sick and you're all on track and then all of a sudden you have a big setback. But it's that, I don't know, there's something about horse riding that I wasn't from a horsey family, you know, mm-hmm. nobody in my family rode. Um, and I was just this little kid that used to go down and buck out stables in the UK just to be able to smell the horse, pat the horse, and occasionally sit on one. Yes, so it's, yes. it's a bit of an addiction. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry... If you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book imagine maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats okay now just thinking about you know and and not thinking about so much the fall and you know waking up in hospital but those moments you know between going and having a look at your horse and you know riding and especially those first few rides what was going through your head at that time what gave you that extra push that made you say I'm going to keep going, Um, you know, what was going through your head? I think my family have always been my immediate, you know, daughters and and son-in-laws and things like that. They have always been um, behind me and they are extremely proud of of their mum and Mm -hmm. and what she's achieved so far. Um, I went to a hypnotherapist to talk to them about uh, control and the rush of anxiety that would come every time I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get back on this horse. Is it going to happen again? Yeah. Um, and they said, what is it in your horse that if something was going to go wrong, what is the trigger? What makes you trust the horse? And I said, well, it's in his eyes. Mm. And they said, there's your answer. Before you get on, look him in the eye, stand on the stairs. I have, you know, big stairs to get on. And if anything doesn't look perfectly right, take him for a walk, come back round and get back on again. And you know what? I still do that. That's five years later. I still walk round. Bill will go, he stretched his front legs because it's just this routine every single time, whether I'm riding in the bush, whether I'm just getting on to check um, a saddle fit, anything, we go for the walk, 
we line him up, I bend his neck round, pat on the face, look in the eye, and away we go. And he had enough faith in me, so I have to keep going. Yeah. I want you to put your, um, your coach's cap on and just think in general about if you're going out to teach a group of riders and they could be at RDA, they could be, you know, just your local pony club or just riders that you haven't seen before and their horses, what's a common fault that you see and, and how can that be overcome? That's an interesting one, and that always depends on the level of the rider, mm-hmm. okay? So that's the first thing we need to discuss with our riders. What, what is your ambition? You know, what do you want to achieve? What do you want to do? Where are you at now in your journey? Um, commonly, I would say people that kick every stride, if a horse can feel a fly land on it, it probably doesn't need to be reminded to move its legs. Yeah. And another one is um, what I call inside rain-itis. And I think if there are any other coaches listening, they'll know what this one is. And it's where the inside hand just is constantly going nag, 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 nag on the the horse's mouth. And you Mm. think, why are you doing that? Just ask the horse to do something. If they don't understand, they're not going to do it. Mm. Yelling at them is not going to, with your hands and your legs, is not going to make it any clearer. How do you break that exercise down so the horse then goes, ah, I've got it. Okay, okay. And they're very much like children. Every reward is for anything that is moving in that right direction. And children are the same. Don't tell them off and nag at them and get really, really angry. Because half the time, it's the rider. Mm. 99.9% of issues with horses are created by riders. Yeah. If you understand that, then you fall in love with the challenge. Yes. You know, they're bro- yes. they're, the horse's brain is so tiny, about the size of a mandarin. And I think when I'm coaching, I often say, um, you know, my horse I know has a brain the size of the mandarin and he's nearly 18 hands. And I'm positive some days that mandarin is peeled. You know, and people would just laugh and I'll go, well, you know, let's be honest. You know, they are, they're three-year-old children, basically. Mm. So they will compartmentalise if things go wrong, but they love to be told they're doing the right thing, same Mm. as riders do. Wow, that's really good, Kay. Or just try this little, you know, humour me, try this is Mm. a common thing that I say to people, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of empathy there, you know, just coming back there, there's a lot of empathy with, with horses, you know. Stop nagging them, stop kicking them and, and think about yeah, it from the absolutely. horse's point of view. Yeah, Yeah, and I guess from coaches, some coaches are, you know, they expect a lot, which is great, and I know my coach expects a huge amount and mm-hmm. I've told her she's too kind, she needs to get get stuck into me. I said, you'll know when I look at you and give you the Cahannon stare of death, you'll know you've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. But just keep nagging me. We've got a place to get to and mm-hmm. we need to be doing it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great life. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Tell us about your leader. You know, I mean, just going through your preparation, what, what sort of goals have you set? What things have you set prior to Tokyo? And I know you're campaigning now. I know you're not, you know, you're not selected as the person who's going, but but say you are, you know, in the next leading up to it, what would you 
be going through? What um, goals, what milestones and everything that you'd be going through? Okay, yeah, look, there are still, and, and it's the same for all of my colleagues that are, that are campaigning as well, mm. um, we have a range of selection events of which we need to go to four at least, um, two of which will be in 2020. I'm selecting to go to a few more because I think, you know, our requirements at grade four are to score in the 70s and uh, that can be quite challenging as well. 70 is one of those mythical sort of numbers and when you first crack it you feel like, you know, oh, my God, I've made it. Um, But it's hard to keep up up and do that each time and it's one minuscule little error can pull you away from that number. So Mm. it's, um, it's quite a highlight. Um, so I am going to Sydney three-day event in April, the end of April, um, to compete there. There's a, a selection event for para-equestrian at that particular competition at SIAC, which is Sydney International Equestrian Centre there at Horsley Park. Uh, then I'll be going up to Brisbane, for the, um, which is in June. Then I think there's about four or five I've seen. There's a lot in Victoria. Um, which is great, uh, and I have competed at Boney owned places, um, Werribee and, and the alike. But if I can get things that are closer to home, obviously cost-wise, it, it's better because it's somewhere around probably about the five thousand dollar mark um, to travel interstate yep. to go to a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's uh, something that you have to work on. Uh, obviously, I'll be working because I know that. Um, Japan will be very humid, very hot. So I've already mentioned uh, humidity training, um, keeping the horses in peak condition, working them up and understanding my own body and the horse's body prior to actually going to a competition. So we'll be working on little elements that have come out of other competitions that weren't as successful as we thought. What went wrong? What did I do? Why did the horse do it that way? Um, and it's always pointed back at the rider, as I said. Um, so it's it's constantly going through that. It's knowing how many strides have I got when I get on that centre line before I halt. Mm-hmm. How many strides if I'm doing a canter 20-metre circle, which was actually asked uh, of me by our high-performance coach, and I didn't know mm-hmm. and probably should have done. Um, you have to get to that level of understanding of how your horse is going and he said well it's 18 strides Mm -hmm. okay fantastic so i know now if my horse is cantering and we're not got enough effort and energy in that we won't get 18 strides yeah and of course that's broken down into a quarter of a circle so in the first circle if you're not over that center line by the time you're in your brain going five Mm. you're never going to make it to the other side and round by 18. Mm. Um, so every circle, every movement has a beginning, a middle and an end. Every circle has four parts to it, all of which should be nice and round with no corners, which is something that um, is quite testing sometimes. Yep. Yep. Um, so there are, it's that level of detail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does the horse look? How does he feel? Is it going to be hot? Do I need to do electrolytes before I campaign him? Mm-hmm. Um, I take electrolytes before I start to ride. I might use ice collars in the warm-up or an ice vest because I know cooler weather suits me better. Mm-hmm. It, it's all those tiny little details. 
someone talks to me before I walk in, am I going to forget my test? So I'm a bit like the ice maiden and uh, people probably sort of think, oh, she's a little snotty, you know, and (laughs) I'm not. I'm just in my zone, totally in my zone, and I'll ride the horse up, do the warm-up, ride up. You've got probably about 10 minutes by this stage between the two areas where you warm up and compete. And even Bill, my husband, will just walk away. He knows I'm in the zone and I'll talk to everybody and have a chat and all that sort of thing afterwards. But it's that level of detail and Mm -hmm. concentration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think all the the information you've given us, I think it was very interesting, the information about the Paralympic levels. And I think there's possible options there for our listeners. So I think, Kay, really good chatting to you today. But before we go... Can you summarise your philosophy with horses? I know you've got a lot of empathy there, but just a bit of a lesson, a bit of a takeaway to our listeners before we say goodbye. What can you say? Enjoy every ride. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Every time you see a horse, they are going to give you something, teach you something, or allow you to do something you hadn't thought of yesterday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kay, I know we talked about people contacting you. What's the best way? Your contact details will be on Horse Chats. It'll be horsechats.com slash Kay Hannon. But if they want to contact you direct, what's the best way? Um, As I said, there's um, Facebook is probably the easiest, and I think most most listeners are probably on that. So it's K-A-Y-E space Hannon, H-A-N-N-A-N on Facebook, and there's also a Kay Hannon hyphen para equestrian. Either of those would would get me. And I would, you know what? I would love to have some communication with people. That would be great. Perfect. And those details will be on your page as well, horsechats.com slash Kay Hammond. Yeah, Yeah. wonderful. All right, Kay, thank you for chatting today. And and, uh, we hope to chat to you sometime soon. And best of luck for Tokyo. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 